This is episode number 11, where I answer your running questions. Welcome back to the Strength Running Podcast. This is your host, Jason Fitzgerald. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you had a really great holiday season with Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's. I'm sure all of us have something to celebrate and be thankful for. And for me, I know I'm thankful for you, for listening to this podcast, for bearing with me as I learn this podcasting game, and of course, for any reviews or ratings. Big thanks to my listeners who've done that. All right. Today, we've got a good one. This is another different format of show, a big Q&A episode where I've pulled your questions from the recesses of the internet, like on Twitter. You can find me there at JasonFitz1 or on Facebook or email. We're going to tackle three bigger questions and then three lightning round quicker questions. All right, enough fluff. Let's get down to it. Our first question is, how do I stay motivated to run more consistently? All right, so first let's clear the air. I despise motivation. I don't like motivation hacks, tricks, or tips because motivation is overrated. And I think it's also oversold in the media. You're constantly being bombarded with articles talking about ideas for increasing your motivation. But why work so hard to improve something like motivation that is a fleeting, unreliable emotion that you really can't count on in the first place? What if you told your boss you weren't motivated to go to work on Monday? What if you told your kids you weren't motivated to care for them? Or if you told your husband or wife that you weren't motivated to have a much-needed conversation or buy them a birthday gift? So clearly, not having enough motivation is a poor excuse for not doing something. Now, of course, the, the flip side of this is take advantage of motivation if and when it strikes. Clean the house, nail that workout, make that smoothie, and go to bed an hour earlier than usual. If you're motivated to do it, then do it. But also understand that motivation isn't even in the vocabulary of successful runners. If you want to improve, then you have to run despite not wanting to run. If it's too early, too cold, too hot, too late, or you're too stressed or tired, that's kind of irrelevant. No coach will accept these excuses. And I demand that you expect more from yourself. I know that if I ever used any of those excuses to bail on practice, to not run as much as I was supposed to run, or to run slower in a workout, any of the 10 plus coaches that I've had in my career would have frowned upon that and would have told me to recommit and rededicate myself to the sport because what they were seeing was something that they were not impressed by. And I'll end by quoting a fellow podcaster and decorated retired Navy SEAL Jocko Willink, discipline equals freedom. To do the things that you want to do requires discipline. You run consistently or you don't. The choice is yours, and the deciding factor is not your motivation. It's your discipline. Question number two, how do I get better at trail running? The absolute best way to get better at trail running is to simply run more trails. You won't find a significant difference in training between road and trail runners besides the fact that they train on different surfaces. There's no specific exercise program for trail running. And any good trail runner has, you know, simply spent a lot of time training on the terrain that they want to run well on. And this all comes back down to the fundamental principle of specificity at play here, 
preparing specifically for the thing that you want to do. So if you're just getting started, you know, first you can run off-road, but on well-groomed trails. These might be uh, wide horse paths, and a good example of these are uh, the main trails that you'll find in Washington, D.C.'s Rock Creek Park, firm grass like you might find on a golf course, or cinder paths at a local park. I know here in Denver, all of the major city parks like City Park, Cheese, really easy to run on. From there, you can then transition to what, I, what I'll call real trails. These are trails through the woods that are typically narrow or single track, and they have more terrain variability, and the footing is less sure. It's not as easy to run on these trails as it is on you know, grass, cinder, or dirt, so it's the next step. And then finally, you can run on the really gnarly stuff, the very technical single track trails that are usually... Uh, that usually have a lot of elevation gain and loss. A lot of these, tra- a lot of the trails here in the Front Range are like this. There are rocks, roots, holes, and all kinds of other obstacles that make running on this kind of technical terrain a lot more difficult. But this isn't all trail running, nor do you have to start on terrain like that. Okay, so with all that said, there are some things that you can do to help yourself run more smoothly on technical trails, to fall less often, and to be more confident on that rough terrain. So first, let's understand that trail running requires a higher level of general athleticism. If you're a better athlete, you're going to do better on trails. So you need things like coordination, agility, proprioception, which is knowing where your body is in space and how it's moving through that space. And, of course, balance to run on these rugged trails. So anything that improves your athleticism will carry over very well to trail running. So things like strength exercises, dynamic flexibility movements, single leg balance work, plyometrics, and form drills will help you develop into a more well-rounded athlete and thereby making trail running a lot easier. But ultimately, it comes down to practice. Practice running trails practice running a variety of different trails, and soon you're going to get a lot better at being a trail runner. Question number three. If I haven't run in a year, is a three-mile run too long to start? Yes, it is. Moving on. So, no, let's really dive in here. Uh, Yeah, I think it is too long of a first run to start, not because there's any real difference in two and a half miles or three miles or three and a half miles, but more because it's a strict number of miles. When you're a beginner or you're just coming back to running after a long layoff, you have to be more gradual with your running in how you increase your mileage. And more importantly, you can't let a number on a training plan dictate how much or how fast you run. If the plan says three miles, but your legs are screaming at you after two, then the plan is wrong and you need to listen to your body. So instead, it's far more effective and easier, I think, to run for time rather than distance, and to give yourself a range. So rather than saying, I'm going to run for three miles today, which might take you about a half hour depending upon your fitness, uh, you know, give or take five minutes, you can instead say, I'm going to run 20 to 30 minutes based on how I feel. And this approach is fundamentally different. And the value here, I think, is twofold. First, you're giving yourself a range rather than a strict number of minutes or miles. So if you run 20 minutes, then that's okay. That's what the plan said. And there's a lot of value in still hitting the goal of the plan, despite being on the low end. It reduces guilt, 
Uh, it doesn't make you feel like you failed the workout for the day. And I think that helps you stay more consistent and have a more positive state of mind. Second, you're focusing on time rather than mileage. By focusing on time, you know how much you're going to be running. Using the same example, you know you're going to run for 20 to 30 minutes. It doesn't matter if you run it hard or easy. It's still the same amount of time. But if you run by mileage, you might be tempted to run faster to get the distance completed. That's a mistake a lot of beginners make. And I know that you know I've made it myself countless times just that I could be done with the run sooner. So as you can see, training programs for new runners need to look a lot different than those for runners with a lot more experience. But I've seen so many beginner plans that start with three-mile runs, that rapidly build to double digits within a few months, and they're a disaster. No wonder why the annual injury rate for runners is upwards of 70%. There needs to be more flexibility. The option to run a little less or a little more, and a focus on effort rather than time. And I'm going to be diving more into training for beginners this month. So if you're interested about this topic, don't forget to sign up at strengthrunning.com forward slash new to get all the coaching advice I plan on sending out. Okay, I know I said I was going to do three bigger questions before getting to some faster lightning round questions, but I'm having a lot of fun. And I think we can all agree that answering more questions is better than answering fewer questions. So let's do one more. This is question number four. Should I focus on heart rate or pace? And I get this question a lot. This is very common for runners who are just starting to run, or you might be a veteran. You might have already been running for a decade, but you just got a new heart rate monitor, and you're wondering if you should actually use it uh, and how to go about your training when it comes to heart rate or pace. Now, when it comes to beginner runners, heart rate is a little too fickle. So I will have runners focus on pace rather than heart rate. And the reason for that is when you're just starting to run, most runs are going to be kind of difficult, and that's going to be reflected in your heart rate. So if I say run easy, it's going to be really hard because everything's going to feel hard, and you're going to have a high heart rate for all of those different workouts. You know, I used to have a coaching client who uh, had only been running a couple months uh, she had started in her late 40s. She was a previous smoker. And working with her for about 18 months, you know, we experienced tremendous progress, everything from the 5K all the way up to the marathon, uh, really, really improved. But the interesting thing was that the first couple months of us working together, her heart rate was off the charts. And it it wasn't very consistent her heart rate for easy runs was much higher than I would have liked to see it. But the fact is, she was a sedentary person for decades. And her heart rate soon stabilized. And it became a lot more predictable. And we were able to accurately say, okay, if you're running a tempo pace workout, your heart rate should be in this range. If you're running intervals on the track at 5k pace, then we know your heart rate's going to be in this range. But when she was just starting, her heart rate wasn't really accurately telling us what her overall effort was because it was high almost all the time. And beginners have trouble getting to a maximum heart rate since their fitness level is admittedly on the low end and they can't really sustain a hard effort for a much longer period of time. So that percentage will be misleading. If they are at an 80% of maximum heart rate, it's not going to be as accurate as a highly trained runner. 
and your heart rate will level out once you're in better shape. So for beginner runners, I much would rather have them focus on pace and probably more accurately effort. So the effort should be easy, even if it doesn't really feel easy. We're going to focus on running slow and trying to make it as comfortable as possible, regardless of what your heart rate actually tells us. Okay, let's get started with our lightning round. These are some quicker questions that I can answer much more quickly than some of the others. So our first question is, are Pilates good for runners? Sure. Any low injury risk exercise that builds core strength is great for running. It may not be the best core workout for runners, but it certainly won't detract from your running. It can be a relatively low intensity way to spend a recovery day. Uh, It could be a relatively low intensity way to gain some extra core strength after an easy run. So these are definitely workouts that are beneficial for your running, that aren't super intense, that don't have a high injury risk, and I think will very much benefit your training. Question number two, how do I prevent burnout? So this is actually a, a technical complex question, but this is a lightning round question because the answer will be quick. Don't worry about it. The vast majority of runners are never going to experience true physical burnout or overtraining syndrome, which does require a high volume of frequent, very high intensity speed work. If you're not hammering two to three grueling workouts per week and sleeping like absolute crap, then you virtually have no risk of overtraining. Now, other culprits for that really terrible feeling you might be experiencing are, you know, a loss of motivation. You simply have no drive to continue training, a poor balance of easy to hard running, or that you might simply need to take some time off from running if you haven't in the last five months. So if you've been running consistently for five, six, or more months without a break, then it might be time just to take some time off, recharge the batteries, and uh, get your head on straight and refocused on your next goal. But ultimately, the vast, vast majority of runners never have to worry about burnout because they have to run a significant high volume of very high-intensity speed sessions. All right, number three, should I do deadlifts in the gym as a runner? Sure, deadlifts are fantastic. They're one of my favorite strength movements for distance runners. Deadlifts are a multi-joint compound exercise that builds strength, primarily in the posterior chain. So in other words, your backside, everything from you know your hamstrings, your glutes, your lower back, all these muscles come to mind. And the runner asking this question wanted to know because his hamstrings felt wrecked when he did deadlifts before during his training. But the problem isn't with the exercise, it's with one of a couple things. Number one, it could be your form. If the mechanics of your deadlift aren't very good, then you're more likely to get hurt or feel unnecessarily sore from the exercise. Number two, it could be because you're simply lifting too much weight. If you're maxing out on weight or lifting to failure every time you get in the gym, you're adding too much stress and intensity to your running program. You're going to feel that, and it likely will detract from your training. Or number three, too much volume. Deadlifts are good. 300 of them in a single gym session is bad. A basic guideline is about three sets of six to 10 repetitions, one to two times per week at a heavy weight, but not at a maximum weight that you could potentially sustain. 
And just remember, strength training should complement your running, helping you improve. If it's detracting from your running, in other words, you're too fatigued to complete a long run or you're too sore to hit your goal paces during a workout, then reducing the effort of your weight training is a really smart idea because ultimately, if it's not helping you become a better runner, then it's helping you become a worse runner and it's not something that we want to do in your training. It's not strategic and we're not adhering to that fundamental rule of good training for runners, strategic specificity. And there we have it. Six of your most pressing running questions and answers. A big sincere thank you to everyone who submitted these. Uh, And also, we're not done yet. We're just getting started. Round two of Q&A is going up as a private podcast for those runners who are either new to the sport, a relative beginner, or maybe you're just getting back into running after a long layoff from injury or anything else that may have come up in your life. So if you're interested, just head on over to strengthrunning.com slash new, and you'll be the first to know when that podcast is up for you. Until next time, thanks for listening and run strong.